you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family... Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks. DJ Bucky back with you. And uh, Buck, first of all, it's great to see you, man. And uh, it's great to actually have stuff to react to together after so long trying to figure out what was going to go down uh, this is more fun to me to discuss what actually did go down yeah no this is um actually the the best part of it is not the predictive part of it not the mock drafts but really trying to figure out um now that we know where everyone is projecting how they'll perform based mm-hmm. on those things also i think it's a great time for us to go back and, and see what did we learn in terms of the process like the trends and where the league is going because i think mm-hmm. some things were definitely revealed and how teams elected to acquire players and how they are attempting to kind of put together their teams. Yeah, before we get into it here, I do want to I do want to uh, discuss what we've talked about with mock drafts forever, right? Mock drafts. I love people trying to get after you on mock drafts. They they come after me. You said Mac Jones. Da, da, da. I'm like, if you've listened to us talk this whole time, Bucky and I have said they should take Trey Lance or Justin Fields. That's what we would do. There's a difference between what we would do versus what you hear they're going to do. 
I'm leave that alone. I'm leave that right there. Um, but anyways, let's start there because to me the draft started. We get to you know we we know uh, at one and two we knew that was going to take place. I feel like we've kind of already discussed their fit with those yeah. teams. We'll get to them in yeah. a little bit with the uh, with Zach Wilson to the Jets, obviously Trevor uh, to the, to the Jags. But number three, that was the big decision. We've been talking about it forever. Uh, just your thoughts on the Niners going Trey Lance? Look, man, it made it made all the sense in the world, right? It made all the sense in the world just in terms of. Um, you think about the offense that Trey Lance played in at North Dakota State. You look at the skills and the traits that he brings. And if you had the ability to ignore the game that he played this year and just study the 2019 tape, you would have a different feeling about Trey Lance than most people had coming in. I would say most casual fans had coming yeah. into this. Because you and I both, before summer 2020, we talked about this guy being in the conversation, being one of the top three, if not one, the first one to go off the board. Yeah. We wrote notes about it. You did your first look. I wrote notes about him being like a real dude over that summertime grade. You know, our grading scale. I gave him a seven zero, mm-hmm. and that's a big grade for someone playing um, at North Dakota State right away off summer tape, because that's saying, hey, man, this dude is a solid first round player, a guy mm-hmm. who can start. And when I go back and I look at my notes, DJ. In this yellow notebook right here, I have in my notes about Trey Lance, like the craziest stuff that matched up, right? <laughs> Rock solid quarterback prospect, arm talent, dual threat, game works in any system, shotgun or under center. Said he's a vertical passer, good on bootlegs, play action, ball handling, poise, footwork. And here I have an asterisk, Kyle <laughs> Shanahan. <laughs> there you go. Like, good runner, design runs, scrambles, tough, physical, all that other stuff. I had questions about the accuracy, but I'm saying back then, summer 2020, oh, this is the Kyle Shanahan guy. And so when you think about it, you think about what he wants to do. Kyle Shanahan's creativity isn't necessarily in the passing game. It manufactures itself in the running game. It manifests itself in the running game. His run game is so creative and exotic, and it challenges the defense in so many ways. Now you add a legitimate threat in the backfield, Good luck coming up with game plans to defend the running game that you're going to defend. Because we've already seen he's willing to play a game where he only throws the ball five or seven times. He did it with Jimmy Garoppolo. He will run it down your throat. Now with a legitimate threat to come out the back door or to run the design quarterback game, man, get out of here. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because my first first thought was this is a team that, when healthy, beat the brakes off the Green Bay Packers with the run game, yes. with a yes. statue, with a statue at quarterback <laughs> playing 10 on 11. They did that. Guess what? We're playing 11 on 11 now. And, and, and you know how it is, Buck. He did. I'm not saying, Oh, what do you think? He's going to, you know, Trey Lance is going to rush for hundred yards. No, nope. he, he only has to carry the ball five or six times, but you better account for him on every single time he comes out the back door, the backside ends not going, he can't go anywhere. He can't go anywhere. And the beauty of it is everyone is going to think, oh, well, you know, they're going to run this zone read. It's going to look like Baltimore's offense. And it may have some traces of that. But more so, the pure part of the Shanahan system is the bootleg, yep. stretch bootleg. He played in that at North Dakota yep. State, under center, stretch, play action, all that stuff. You talk about the backside end. That backside end has a long day because they're going to hit you on the front side with the outside zone going one way and him just faking it and carrying out the fake the next way. And all it takes is one time for the end to lose containment 
He goes out the back door or they do those layered flood passing game concepts going opposite away from the run game. Your linebackers have to stay home so they can't chase the running game because they're worrying about George Kittle coming across, Debo Samuel coming across and all of that. And with the fly sweep, the bubble and all this other action and misdirection action, Kyle Shanahan basically can can just create a running game that just makes your head explode as a defense coordinator. Think about this. If Jalen Hurd can finally stay healthy, right? Who's kind of that? Uh, who's a, he, he was yeah. drafted as the wing back, right? Can be playing the backfield, yeah. can play in the slot. Now you can, you can break the huddle empty, right? You are five, you're five wide. So you're going to try and match personnel defense, right? There's no chance. They're not running the ball. They don't have running back in the game. You can put Debo Samuel in the backfield. You could literally put Debo in the backfield and Jalen Hurd in the backfield, and you put them together with Trey Lance. You have three legitimate running threats in the backfield against personnel grouping that's matched up to handle five wide. Oh, good luck. At, good luck with that. At all times. You have Cal Uchek. You have – I mean, you got George Kittle. You have so many different things that they can do. They can line up in 22 personnel, two tight ends on the field. I mean, and just – have added with the different things that they can create. Um, I, I have to believe that Kyle Shanahan knows his system or whatever, but I think he also can go through and rip through some of that Baltimore Ravens tape and see the yeah. problems that the Ravens have been able to do with the illusion and the deception and misdirection, add some of that in. And it doesn't need to be a lot of it, but just if they put it on tape, you now have to prepare for all of that. It is a nightmare. And so everyone would talk about Trey Lance. When will he be ready to throw it? I'm not really even worried about the throws because I think he can create so many easy throws for guys he only that he can have a high percentage. He only threw it 18 times a game. I, spoiler alert, he might only be throwing it eight time, 18 times a game with 49ers too. They're going to win a lot of football games. Hey, look, man, we've seen this team win at times. And I know people will point out the poorest record with C.J. Beathard and Nick Mullins. But this has been a team that has been competitive with those guys at quarterback. You know that now Trey Lance is an upgrade over those guys athletically and from an arm talent standpoint, just the problems that it can create. And at the end of the day, we can talk about the Niners. The Niners are a hard nosed blue collar team. They want to run the ball. They want to play defense and then they want to generate explosive plays in the passing game. Trey Lance can do all of those things. Mm -hmm. No, he's going to, it's going to be fun to watch by the way. You know, I, I had used the comp of Steve McNair, you know, through the process. Mm -hmm. talking to John Lynch, he played against Steve McNair. And he's like, yeah. man, that dude was a monster to get on the ground. Like he's just a, such a strong, big, strong dude. So he, he, he sees a little bit of that as well. So it was interesting having nice. that conversation. So, it's funny because after, after our conversation, we also brought up Donovan McNabb. Yeah. After that, I brought up young in shape Donovan McNabb. Donovan oh, McNabb like first three or four years. I yeah. Like because that. like, some some of some of those things that Donovan used to do early in his career when he was athletic and mobile and coming out of Syracuse and all that, um, I think it's interesting. And I will say this about all the quarterbacks. I'm sure we'll talk about Justin Fields and Mac Jones later. Yeah. Now that we have seen where they are, there's a path to success for all of them, for each of them. Yeah. It's a matter of will the team, as we used to do, take the instructions. You got the toy. Can you take the yeah. directions and the instructions? and allow them to play at their best. But I think all of these guys have an opportunity to play really, really well. All right. I want to get to a, another couple picks that we talked a lot about. Um, Pitts, I feel like we we felt that was coming yeah. a long time. I feel mm -hmm. like we kind of exhausted that conversation. 
But the one that we discussed was the Bengals at five, right? Which was the package, the package of players. It's Jamar Chase and an offensive lineman, or it's Panay Sewell and a wide receiver with your first two picks. And, you know, I think they ended up being with Jackson Carmen, right? Ended up being the... uh, the offense, yeah, a little bit of a surprise. Going, yeah, that round. was a little bit of a surprise there. Yeah, it was Jackson Carmen, but I do think that that was the. I think that was the deciding factor, right? That we don't think we can find a Jamar Chase level player in this draft in the second level. So that's why they they went that route. Yeah, but I also think it's part of a bigger trend that we saw play out in the first round, reconnecting quarterbacks with their with their preferred guys. receivers. Yeah. yeah, because DJ, just think about. I mean, we don't know if we're going to have a traditional offseason, right? Like, we still are undecided. Like, how many practices are you going to be able to get on the, the field? Guys who already have a chemistry and a connection, man, it gives you an opportunity to hit the ground running right away. And with Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow, the connection that they had uh, at LSU, Tua and Jalen Waddle, the connection that they've had previously at Alabama, Jalen Hurts, knowing Devontae Smith, like being able to get on the field with guys that you know there's a comfort and a trust factor. Uh, I think that that speaks. I think that is a huge asset to be able to get guys that know one another. Because I mean, you also like had Trevor. You also so had long, Trevor you know? and Etn. Trevor and Travis Etn. Yeah, I mean, like being able to put those guys together. Um, I think is a fantastic thing. Um, I'm gonna say this. We'll get to Jacksonville. I, 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 let's talk about Jacksonville because you brought yeah, up go Etn. Yeah. Right. So. The Jacksonville Jaguars and Urban Meyer and everyone was curious, like, hey, how's Urban going to do the draft process coming from recruiting and those things? And I don't know if you got a chance to look at their draft. Yeah, you got it right in front of me. Five all stars. Big school, all big school players. Yeah. All former four- and five-star recruits. Yep. All brand names. And the Jordan Smith kid that came out of UAB, oh, he went to Florida first. Yeah, transferred. was a four-star recruit. And yeah. so – Urban Meyer was going to have a tough time not taking someone that was a highly sought after recruit in high school because he, in his mind, is like, oh, yeah, I'm not in the business of developing. Give me yeah. the best players. And we were figured out. And I, I, I just look for the Jags. The Jags didn't take risky swings in terms of, hey, we're going to go outside and see if we can find a small school guy and develop. Like, no, give us the big time recruits and let's see if we can maximize their talent. Walk a little coming out of Stanford, who Five was star. like the top top rated dude coming out, NTN, Trevor Lawrence. Um, the only other guy who didn't fit that mark was Andre Sisco, but then his production was off the charts with mm-hmm. 13 interceptions in 24 games. Yeah. No, yeah, that's why it's – it was interesting what they were able to get accomplished there. Um, I thought the Walker Little, too, uh, I thought they might even go tackle in the first round with that second pick because that's what I was Cam Robinson on a franchise tag. I thought they are going to – That's what I was thinking. these picks, you got to secure that going forward. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking that they would go um, – it was two directions, I thought, at 25. They would either go get a defensive tackle at 25 or potentially that they would get the tight end mm-hmm. um, at 25 because there was some conversation maybe about the tight end. I knew they had cooled a little bit on the safety – um, in the first round. Yeah. But, you know, but as we talked about, it's the pairings. It's mm-hmm. being able to look at the clumps and clusters of players, which would I rather have? Would I rather have the A receiver and the B offensive tackle or whatever the two positions are? All right. Let's, since we just did the Jags, let's do the Jets here real quick. I felt like we were out in front on this one too, you know, and what we said. Hey, we'll get the defense at another time. 
But this draft is about the quarterback, and that's exactly yeah. what Jody did. I mean, Zach Wilson trades up for Vera Tucker. I think we were both on the same page yeah. as the best, best interior yeah. in the draft. Uh, Elijah Moore, I thought that was interesting because you had Elijah Moore and Javante Williams there, right? And there's no way in a million years they thought if they passed on Javante Williams, not picking again until the fourth round, I didn't think they thought there was any chance in the world Michael Carter would still be there, the other Carolina no. back, who's, who's a really no. good player. Reminded me a lot of Devontae Freeman. Um, yeah. You saw a bunch of them as a Tar Heel buck. But again, I think this is when you look at that system, right? The Shanahan tree, the Shanahan system. Yeah. I have to ask TD about this, but you might remember this. Don't don't they didn't Mike Shanahan kind of institute a no going out of bounds policy? You played against those guys with their. He might have. Yeah, I don't think I know it was a one curve rule, and you always had to finish runs. Yes, finish finish runs. runs. And if you think about it, outside of TD, they kind of cycle through backs, right? And you see that whole tree, and they all rush for a thousand yards. They're all successful, whatever. But it's kind of a run them till the wheels fall off. Run as hard as you can. We got another dude ready to go right behind you. Let's 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 go. I'm always kind of building a stable of those guys with the Jets. Look, and being as kind as possible, they're disposable. Yeah. Like they're back, they're like Ziploc bags. Like they're disposable yeah. bags. Like we get, yeah. we get another one. And so with with Michael Carter and a bunch of those guys, you get a bunch of those guys who have similar running styles. They expend. They're the team that has led to this conversation about, hey, we can get a running back anywhere because that system has been the one system that we know you can get a running back from anywhere and have success. Now, when you get a special one, they can play at a tremendous level. But yeah, like Michael Park, Carter is a one-cut runner who is a perfect fit for what they want to do. But I love the fact that they upgraded the offensive line. Yeah. Uh, Vera Tucker, to me, was a solid pick. And when you're sitting there and the choices between Elijah Moore and maybe the running back, you take Elijah Moore all day. Because yeah. Elijah Moore is going to put points on the board. He's going to make things happen over the middle of the field. He is a guy that should have been a, a first-round pick. Um yeah. You just had to. He's sitting right there. Man, you lucked up. He may end up being your best receiver when yeah. you come out at the end of training camp. Mm-hmm. It would look like Lockett. That's who he reminded me of when you when you watch him. Um, but now you've got now you've got kind of the pieces here in place. Um, when you look at that left side of that offensive line now, you know, you want to go Beckton and, and Elijah Vera Tucker. Think about this. If you're running, if you're running zone, like I was thinking, okay, there'll be a, everybody's saying there'll be a left-handed dominant team, right? Because you've got Beckton and now you're gonna have Vera Tucker, two really, really talented players. But if you think about it, when you're running zone, you can run zone to the right and let that's an avalanche, man. It's just those two dudes just collapse that whole line collapse and then it, off you go. Collapse, collapse it down. Um, that is right. So they are putting Vera Tucker at left tackle. Left guard. Be at left guard, yeah. He'll play next to Oh, yeah. Next. See, I like that. Going back to my days in Seattle, that's what we did. Walter Jones and Steve Hutchinson. Oh, yeah. Two Hall of Famers. They could scream out, the ball is going up. Okay. We're yeah. running it left. Yeah. <laughs> we're Good we're running it left. Good luck. Yep. It's <laughs> um, true. But um, even the other, thing, the, other, the other thing real quick on the Jets, I thought was, um, so they get the offense for the first four. Then after that, kind of, you know, some guys with uh, – Tremendous upside, some risk involved in terms of just finding a, some position switches that they have uh, with a couple safeties that are going to move the linebacker. Um, but I thought they just basically took the the what do you call it? the dart approach, the shotgun approach, mm-hmm. which is which take in the on in a year of uncertainty in the fifth, sixth, seventh or fifth, sixth, seventh rounds. Let's just take you know, let's just take some shots here and see what happens. Well, I think that's how I mean. In being in rooms, DJ, we talk about it. The picks that you have to nail. One, two, three, we got to get it right. 
Yeah. When we get into day three, we have to be a little more a high risk, high reward. We'll take some chances there because those guys are developmental classes. Those are the guys that were, hey, if we hit on it, that's great. But the first three rounds we need to nail because those guys are counted on as starters. Outside yeah. of that, if you can get someone to come from the fourth through seventh round that emerges as a starter, a key contributor, man, that's a pat on the back for the scouting department for finding somebody. Yeah, no doubt. Um, all right, let's get to another team here. Let's get to the Bears. Um, just your thoughts. I, I am, I'm happy for everybody involved. I don't know that uh, outside. Look, the 49ers we had said was the best fit for everybody because of the setup that they have there. But I actually really like this fit here with Justin Fields uh, going to the Bears and with Nagy. I think it's a good fit, man. Yeah, I think it potentially can be a really, really good fit. Uh, one thing that stands out to me is. Chicago and always worry about them because we they've haven't had a really good quarterback there in forever, right? Mm-hmm. But I do think there's something to in certain environments that you have to get a cold weather player. Yeah. The fact that Justin Fields played in the Big Ten, played in some inclement conditions, cold weather, it shouldn't be a big problem for him. I think that is a big thing. I also think in Chicago, your team has to be reflective of your city and the quarterback has to reflect both things. You got to be a tough dude to be in Chicago. Much like we talk about like Philadelphia and some of these other things, you got to kind of be a little grizzled, a little, a little callous. I think Justin Fields is tough enough to deal with everything that will be thrown at him in Chicago. You have to be a tough, tough-minded, physically tough dude. I think he's exhibited those qualities. And then when it comes to Matt Nagy and mm-hmm. the quarterback and what the traits are, I think Matt Nagy and Bill Lazor have the ability to put together an offense that takes advantages of his athleticism while keeping it simple enough for him to play fast and to play free. And so um, I think there's some overlap or go between some kind of connection between Ryan Day and Matt Nagy. I, th- I think all of this will work. I think well, it will they work. All, we both worked at the Eagles, you know, I mean, oh. not the same time, but they came, they came through there. Okay. And I don't know okay. what the other connections are there, but I'm sure that's yeah. that part of it. There's okay. mutual friends. But um, I know, I know it's texting with Nagy a little bit. He's excited. He's fired up. I mean, he, he around Patrick Mahomes, you know, Mahomes just has even when he just got there, there's an energy and kind of a presence about him. Um, yeah. And just the times the times you've been around Justin a lot more than I have. But he does have kind of just a little bit of an aura, you know, a little bit of a presence about him when he's kind of carrying himself. And it's like, this is a dude. OK, this is a real dude coming in here. Uh, and I think it's going to be now it's on them. Like there's pressure on them to develop this guy because all the talent is there. Like there's no. We're not saying, I don't know, is he good? No, he's plenty good enough. He's got all the talent yeah. in the world. Now you got to put it all together. Man, they got to put it together. And it may, it may take Nagy getting outside of himself a little bit. I think the best thing they could do is find a way to run the ball. They have yeah. to be able to run the ball. They can't, they can't put him. We just talked about Trey Lance maybe throwing 18 to 20 times. They can't put it on Justin Fields to throw it 35 times a game as yeah. a rookie. They have to be able to commit and stick to a running game. Find a way to, if they're not going to run it, they got to have enough screens and short things in the game plan to get it out of his hands and let the playmakers work, Tariq Cohen and some of those other guys. And so we'll see. It will be the biggest challenge for Matt Nagy's young coaching career to kind of put it all together. You know what's what's crazy? I forgot he was even here, but like Jimmy Graham could be kind of a key person for him, you know, where he is in his career, don't know what he's got left, but we talk about young quarterbacks having a tight end, a big target, easy completions. Um, I'm just looking at their – I don't know who you are. I forgot, I forgot Jimmy Graham was even on the Bears. Uh, but that's, uh, oh, that's an I interesting know. one. That's bananas, right? 
It, it, it is bananas that he can maybe reemerge and, and kind of be a, a factor. Don't know how big of a factor he is at his age, but maybe down in the red zone, big target, someone they can find. Can I give you my pick that for them that was my sleeper? It was my day three sleeper. I actually had called a couple GM buddies uh, as we got towards day three. I was like kind of lobbying for this dude. Like, hey, I'm telling you, man, Daz Newsom, you're, you're wide out from North Carolina. He's a phenomenal returner. And as you know, Buck, we talk about it all yeah. the time. Those guys that are good college receivers but phenomenal returners, some, those are some of the guys when you get to the next level, all of a sudden those return skills, they show up when you get the ball in their hands. Um, I think he's – they got him in the sixth round. I think he's got a chance to be a really good returner for them. I think he's got a chance to develop into much more than that. Yeah, no, he's a good time. He's a big-time player. He has some stuff with the ball in his hands. And I think when yeah. you have a returner, you're getting a guy that's tough, a guy that understands how to maneuver and weave through traffic. Um and then it's about putting him in a situation where you can let him do what he normally does in the return game. That is get them the ball, get him in space, and let him have some two-on-ones, uh, some three-on-twos in space and see if he can break a tackle and then create a big play. All that is a big part of a strategy to see if you can make the game easy for the quarterback. All right, Micah Parsons, let's hit on that one real quick to the Cowboys. Uh, you do a lot of stuff with the pokes. What do you think? Uh, I like it, but I'm going to put him in, in, in twos because yeah. I think it's Micah Parsons and Jabril Cox. Yeah. upgrade the Cowboys uh, linebacker core because you've seen the Cowboys. I think you had to talk about it on TV multiple times yeah. last year when their defense was struggling. Not a very fast defense. Early and in the year, the effort stunk too. It got better, but early in the year, yes. the effort was not good. Effort stuff. So a couple things that have to happen. If you want a defense that plays hard, you got to get guys that play hard. <laughs> There's no doubt about the effort and energy about Michael Parsons and Jabril Cox. Secondly, yeah. if you want a fast defense, you got to get guys that play fast on defense. Those guys can run sideline to sideline. You have to be able to do it. And so I think for Parsons, the only challenge for Parsons will be, can he handle the spotlight and the attention that comes along with being a part of America's team? Because we're going to find quickly, hey, if he loves it, it won't be a distraction. But if he doesn't, all the other stuff will distract and take away from what could be a phenomenal player playing in a defense that is built for him to just hit and run and cover. Yeah, I think what, if we're looking back, and Micah Parsons is a freak, so I, I will put him up there um, as, as their most talented guy. I'm telling you, we might be looking back three, four years from now and realize that Odigazua was their best pick in the third oh, round. Maybe. I mean, when you look at guys, we just add it up, right? Let's say say you haven't watched a stitch of tape, but when I tell you his, he's a little bit shorter, but he's got incredibly long arms, he plays really hard, and he's just, he's like a state wrestling champ background. Uh, he's going to be in just the, knowing that. He's be in the mix. Yeah. Because you're, you're in the mix. About, with his size, he's going to have natural leverage. But when, then when you worry about guys at that size, like, ah, but guys get into him because they're little. He's, he's got long arms. That's, so you can't get aware. to him. And he's got leverage. And he's quick. And he's, he knows how to balance and play with balance and power because he's a wrestler. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that's something that is, uh, it's a great point. That, that you make. I think it continues to go along with the point of they wanted to change the culture defensively. So they got a bunch of hard playing dudes to get after it. Now, the one thing I think everyone wanted to know about the cornerback situation. So Kelvin Joseph, we had talked about a little bit, the cornerback from Kentucky, great athlete, not necessarily technically refined, but great athlete that fits. The Nashawn Wright kid, that's the one that had people in a tizzy. I mean, people falling out of their seat, people People screaming, what is going on, or whatever. But I will say this, and I will give them some cover. We said it. This would be the most volatile draft that we've ever seen. Oh, yeah. Right? And 
You just don't know. Maybe they believe they're getting a Richard Sherman clone, someone that's long and that stuff. We'll have to see how it plays out. But it was early for him to go off the board. It was yeah. early. You know what's really weird, early. Buck, is it because we said that, right, that it was going to be the most volatile um, year. But it was weird for me because – like my first, my top 14 ranked players went in the first 14 picks. So not the order, but I think that shows you there was kind of a league wide group, right? Of those 14 here's, here's guys. Here's the elites. Here's the elites. I, in the top 50 picks, I think 42 of my top 50 went in the top 50. So those were the, that group. And then um, I think whatever the top 150 ended up being like 86% of the top 150 went in the top 150. So it ended up in a weird way, almost being kind of chalky in that, okay, this, you know, if you were, if you were a senior bowl guy, if you were a multi-year starter that played a full season in the SEC, those guys, they just locked themselves in whether or not their ceiling was what it was. Mm-hmm. They kind of, it, it kind of, to me, it shrunk the the draft class a little bit because of that. Yeah, I I think so. I would also say this um, because of the pandemic and because of the things we had to lock in and really watch tape. And because we didn't have workouts and all that other stuff, there was less of a chance for us to be swayed by workouts and those things that made us reshuffle the deck. There was the little pro days that we got privy to, but all those numbers were unofficial. So you couldn't really say, hey, I'm going to go to the bank with these pro day numbers that were gathered on the road. So this was a tape, a tape study draft. Mm -hmm. And as we've talked about it, when you study the tape, you're more likely to be right than wrong. And so I think that is what showed up. We saw a bunch of guys stay true to what they saw on the film evaluation and they stayed true. And the board, the board ended up being exactly what we thought the film revealed. Very few, like early, especially the first like four rounds, not many flyers, um, and then like, you know, once you get outside of that, then you had some couple darts that got thrown, but for the most part, I thought teams were a little bit more conservative in the first four rounds and trying to be safe. This is the first year I've ever had all 150 guys go in my top 150 because that doesn't happen. I don't, I don't think people understand, like you rank your board as a team. Usually it's 150 ish guys mm-hmm. seventh round. You always have guys in your 150 that are still up there because the, nobody sees it the same that you do. This yeah. year, I think every I think there was a little bit more of that. It was weird. It was a weird year, man. No, I mean it's just, it just weird in, in in that part of it. I think there'd be some lessons to be learned from it. Uh, we've seen teams begin to pull out of the combine in terms of sending their scouts and doing those things or whatever. Depending on how this plays out in the fall, if those guys that were drafted high or whatever play up to expectation, you may see a. A, a league-wide trend where you don't see as many guys attend like pro days and all this stuff. You may get the information, but less of an emphasis on that. I think the other thing, and I know you mentioned this when uh, Bruce was on, the GPS stuff yep. really plays a factor. It's, yep. it's really becoming a big factor in the stuff. So it's less about three cones and 40s and all that and more about what is his real game speed and impact. Mm-hmm. Um, and the more information that you can gather in-game, the better it is when it comes to being able to compliment whatever you think about a player when it comes to the tape. I'm excited to get that information. If they're listening, if those people are out there listening, Bucky and I would love to get our hands on that. We had to get it secondhand this year. We'd love to get our hands on that info. We won't I think we're talking it. about they could talking form about, our opinions. Yeah, talking about Catapult, Zebra. Yeah. There's another company out there too that supplies yeah. some of that information. But yeah, 
um, the more that we can get, the more that we know. That's why I was saying like people, you know, I know there's like these composite athletic scores that are making their ways way around. And I'm like, that's all based off pro day numbers. I'm like, yeah, but you know, Rich LeCount ran four, seven as pro day. That's fine. When you talk to teams and they can break it down within his first 10 to 15 yards from the middle of the field, he was in like the 90th percentile. So I'm like, they don't care that you ran four, seven, six. They don't care. It's how how you play, how fast you play. And with the GPS stuff, it allows guys who are instinctive to mm-hmm. see it and go. They play fast, and so you can give them credit for all of that stuff. So, look, it's one of the it's one of the advances that is going to it's already changing the game, but it's really going to change the game going forward. All right, we got a couple more we got to hit here before we run out of here. We need mm-hmm. to get to the other quarterback. So, so let's get to fifteen. The Patriots. Um, if and if we started the process, Buck, and we said at fifteen, Mac Jones, the Patriots. Didn't bad night. Good fit. Good for him. It's, you know, he was my 32nd player. But when you factor in the fit, no problems at all taking him at 15. And I think it's a it's a it's a good pick. Now he goes at three. We're having a totally different conversation. So this it, it just felt like everything kind of like all this craziness and all came together and was like, OK, this is exactly where it was supposed to be. It lined up. And so yeah. I can't I don't have a problem with it. Uh, I don't have a problem with them taking him there. Uh, he's more their 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 model when it comes to the quarterback high volume player in terms of high volume of information that he can play. He can deal with all the checks and those things um, or whatever. And the way that Josh McDaniel wants to play, because everyone talks about Tom Brady. And I wish that we could just kind of take Tom Brady out the equation and say, let's look at the quarterbacks that Josh McDaniels has had. He has Sam Donald in St. Louis. He had Kyle Orton or whatever, all high IQ guys that can handle and process all of that information. And so let's see what he can do. I, I will say this, though. Uh, when Mac Jones shows up in the locker room, uh, hopefully he's been working out a little bit because he's going to stand beside Cam Newton. And it's going to be hard. Oh, that is it's a big be hard. position. It's, 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 it's going to be hard. Now, that's going to be hard on him. You know, when, that's hey, this is your call. new QB1 and whatever. Like, hey, DJ, that's going to be a thing. And also, Cam's personality. If yeah. Mac Jones comes in there and plays small and it's kind of like meek mouth or whatever, it could be a thing. It may be a situation where they have to get Cam out the building so Mac Jones can grow into being the yeah. QB one. Because if Cam plays, boy, that is when, you, when they get out there on the field, that is going to be an interesting side a, by side. A, a DJ. I mean, it's going to be one of those things. And we've been in camps like that. I'll never forget at Carolina. I'm not saying Mac Jones is this, but Carolina, we drafted Stefan Lafleur. Stefan LaFour is from, from Louisville, right? Yeah, yeah. So we see him on tape, whatever. It's a different thing when they show up and you're like, hey, man, he needs to hit the cutoff, man. Yeah. He needs to hit the cutoff, man, to throw this deep out. Like, this thing doesn't have enough pace on it. That's and funny. so it just depends. He may be helped out that camp can't throw at this stage of his career, but yeah. it's going to be a different thing when they walk out on the field together. Yeah, that's a great call. Um, let's get down towards the, uh, the bottom of the first round. First of all, I was happy that Greg Rousseau went. After taking on some water through the pro day process, I thought the bills were smart. Mm-hmm. Um, don't get carried away with that. The guy, the guy, again, I said it on the air. He doesn't even know what he's doing. He got 15 and a half sacks. Wait till he figures it out. You know, um, hey, so he fits, I, I, he fits I, the coach and the character. Yeah, he, fit, he fits how they want to play there. Never underestimate, too, that they probably got real information from Miami down there with Dan Morgan being in the pro department. Yeah. You legend probably can make some phone calls so they know exactly what the kid is about, how he's wired. I think the number one thing that the Buffalo Bills have been able to do is they have created a culture and they know exactly who they are and they know exactly which players can play for them. Greg Rousseau fits. He's quiet. He'll go to work. We had the interview with him where he could spit out the, the technique and the technical side of it. 
man, it's just about more seasoning, more experience. Yeah. And then to me, how about this one? I feel like we called our shot on Peyton Turner. We've been talking about him for a while as somebody that could find his way into back into one. Sure enough, he does with the Saints. And we always say guys have a type. If you put him and you just like blurt out the face and put his body type up there next to Marcus Davenport, you won't be able to tell the difference. I mean, yeah, just those yeah. big hulking ends. Same same body yeah. type. Same same body type. They find a way to – I mean, like guys, guys end up shopping at the same store for the same items. And so you get yeah. a big player that is very similar to Marcus Davenport. They go pick up Marcus Davenport's fifth-year option. And so we'll see how this plays out. Um, he has a chance. He's a, hard, he's a hard motor player. And if Trey Hendrickson can get double-digit sacks playing off Cam Jordan, the sky's the yeah. limit for Peyton Turner. Yeah, no doubt. All right, I want to hit you on one more pick before we got to run. Um, how about the uh, the Steelers? They had the choice of going with Najee, which had been out there for a long time uh, with their mm-hmm. connection with Najee Harris. I just thought kind of a chicken or the egg thing, right? How do you improve the run game? Do you start with the offensive line or do you start with the back? I thought they might end up starting with the back or with the offensive line, even though everything was pointing towards Najee Harris. Clearly, uh, they felt differently. Your thoughts on, on Najee going there in the first round of 24? Okay, so I think I think here's what, what happened. We made a comparison, and I started throwing this out. Najee Harris, the Matt Forte, Lev Bill comparison mm-hmm. is valid. And I think when you're Mike Tomlin and that staff, and you think about the last time they were really dynamic and explosive on offense, was when they had Levy and Bill playing yep. at a high level. Not multiple backs. They had one back who could do it all. He could run it. He could catch it. He could go outside. Najee Harris is the one player that I thought had some of that. And I think when they've tried to say, hey, let's get the back and let's see, let's get the, the offensive line fixed, but let's take these second and third round backs, for them, it hasn't worked. James Conner didn't necessarily work. They tried to do it with Benny Snell. They tried to take the McFarland kid from Maryland. So they've thrown a handful of guys at the position and nobody has emerged. I think yeah. they said, hey, let's see if we can go get a blue chip guy and see if we can fix the running game by upgrading the personnel in the backfield more so than dealing with the guy on the front line. My one thing there, and I like the couple of linemen they got. I think Dan Moore's got a chance to develop and be a, a starting left tackle. Kendrick Green, we both like, thinks going to be a starting center. Uh, those are two good good linemen that they picked up. The only thing I would say on the Najee thing is I thought a little bit similar to um, Derrick Henry is that you do need a runway. runway, you know, so mm-hmm. – can't be he's not gonna make up for the sins if you're terrible up front. You gotta get some guys that can get some push up front for him. Yeah, I mean that is definitely a valid point. They haven't really been the same since their O-line coach left, to be honest. Yeah. Because it's, yeah. it's some a personnel issue, but a lot of it's Mike Munchak left and they haven't been the same up front in terms of the nastiness and push and those things. They can beef it up, they have to give him an opportunity. But for Ben Roethlisberger and where Ben is in his development. They needed someone who could catch the ball out the backfield. And it can't just be those little bubble screens and shallow crosses that they were running to all the wide receivers. They have to find a way to incorporate the running back into the pass game. Najee Harris gives them a guy that can do that. No doubt. Um, Again, we didn't have the time to go through every single pick, but those are some of our big uh, picture takeaways. Any other themes from the draft you want to hit, Buck, as we get out of here? No, look, DJ, I I think it's funny because we've talked about the marquee positions and how we stack them. And and we've talked about quarterbacks, pass rushers, uh, offensive tackles and corners. And once again, man, when we look at the draft, what we have to do wide receivers, because now the playmaker has become more of a thing. Those five positions are the ones that go and they go early. 
And so as we continue to look at it and think about it and grade, like those are the guys that go and those are the guys that go early. Because even we talked about all the pass rushers and how we don't know, lo and behold, bottom of the first round, top mm-hmm. of the second, those guys are going because if you don't have one, you got to get one. Somebody has to rush the passer. So. Well, and uh, just for our dart, for, to throw one dart here as we're recording this uh, on a Monday after the draft ended, if we're looking at uh, if we're looking at the 2022 NFL draft, having studied exactly zero of those players, Kayvon Thibodeau is going to be the first pick based off the one thing that I just just what I've seen. That's my that's hey, my. Hey, so here here's what I'll tell you about Thibodeau. Thibodeau is a, a local LA kid. He started at Dorsey High School, which is home of Keyshawn and Hugh Jackson, but he ended up at Oaks Christian. He is a dynamic dude off the edge, slippery yeah. and those things. I wonder how big he is when you see his frame, DJ. He's yeah, not a big, broad-shouldered yeah. dude. He's kind of a, a co-hanger shoulder type. But, yeah. man, his first step quickness and get off, he is a problem yeah. off Oregon the edge. Ducks. Oregon Ducks, best <laughs> players up there, man. Mario Cristobal getting after it in recruiting. Um, he absolutely right. is. Anything else, Buck, we get out of here? No, nah, that was good, man. It's always good to to review the draft. I can't wait to dig back into my notes and kind of see some of the other lessons that I can learn. Yeah. I also want to encourage everybody, the uh, the audio is available for Justin Fields 360. Um, the uh, show is going to be on NFL Network Sunday morning, 930 a.m. Eastern uh, as well. So uh, we've got that coming. We are going to re-release the 360s with a little bit of an update on where these these uh, quarterbacks landed. So those will be on TV. You also see the audio version of those as well. Uh, remember the NFL Network MTS 360, Trevor Lawrence. That's going to be 5 p.m. Eastern on Thursday. Um, you also have the Zach Wilson 360. That's going to be 5:30 p.m. on Thursday, and the Justin Fields will be 9:30 uh, a.m. That'll be on Sunday. So that's where you can catch those episodes. So we appreciate you guys hanging with us all the way through the draft. It's it's over, but we're not done. We're going to be here all off season. Uh, we've got some more drafts stuff to recap here. And then, uh, and then we'll start looking forward. We have the schedule release coming up here uh, at the end of the month, and we'll have plenty to talk about here. So I know the draft's over, but hang with us. Uh, we have you covered right here on Move the Sticks. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for downloading Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. For more, go to nfl.com slash podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. 
Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Fistle Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand. It's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at ZeroFoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products. It's about the ethos that we embody. Rugged, resilient, and timeless.